G'day, welcome to the Family on Fire first podcast. Uh, Dean and I are just heading up to the snow, up to um, up to Mount Hotham for a few days, check out the powder. Uh, so what do you reckon, Dean? It's going to be a good trip? Yeah, I'm excited. Looking up there, I'm looking out of the dark sky at the moment. Forecast is for some snow tonight, so it might be uh, a little bit cool and, and uh, windy on the drive up, but I think we're going to get a couple of days of really good skiing. Yeah, it should be good. So today we just uh, we're, I'm interviewing Dean, or just having a bit of a chat as we go up to the snow about um, fire. For those who don't know what it is, it's uh, financially independent, retire early. I've learned a few tricks off Dean over the years, um, so I thought it'd be a good idea to share that. And I think we're just about to turn off um, to Beechworth Bright, so it should be pretty good. Uh, we're about how far away are we? We're about two hours away from Mount Hotham. Uh, hopefully, get a ski in from three o'clock today. So um, yeah, today we, we thought we'd have a bit of a chat to uh, Dean and just uh, pick his brains and all the little gems. Uh, um, Dean will tell us his story on how he managed to retire at 40. And uh, yeah, do you want to kick off Dean and tell, yeah. us, tell us all your, all your secrets? Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about the journey and uh, it's pretty good fun doing this because you know I love going up for a ski but and I always had this goal of of retiring early and, and then being able to ski whenever I wanted to or go traveling and all that sort of stuff. The problem is, at 40, no friends were out there to be able to go skiing with. So is that so... your secret little thing? <laughs> Teach me how to do it so I can be got a ski buddy. That's right, I had to go looking for friends who weren't working during the week and uh, and it, it's interesting that a lot of us get that caught in the, um, the, the idea that we have to work all the way to 60, 65 and, um, and then retire then, but I, I kind of never, was keen about that and wanted to get it going early and um, yeah, it's good now to be able to have a few mates that are on that journey and, and able to enjoy a bit of flexibility and that's probably the, the major thing that I've been able to get out of retiring early is just the flexibility to do things you know when I want to be able to do them not have to wait for the few weeks a year holiday. Yeah, pretty good. I'm, I'm very jealous. Normally we'll come back on on Tuesday night, get home about 12 o'clock after a couple of days skiing and Dean goes uh, hate to be you, like working the next day, and yeah. it's like I hate to be me too. But yeah, I'm, I'm working, working towards uh, yeah retiring early. Probably won't stop working, but you know, just uh, have a few more options up our sleeves to uh, to do that. So, and I think that's the the thing is to have a goal, have a goal to be able to stop working when you want to stop, and then um, you know when I say I retired, I like to use the term semi semi retired because. I still do stuff, I'm still active, I'm still involved in um, a few businesses and a bit of charity work and that, but I've got total flexibility to do it when I want to do it and um, that was really my goal, is not to be able to just sit around doing nothing, it's really to be able to um, set the times that I want to do things uh, when I want to do them and uh, I think that was a big part of my journey was being able to understand that I could achieve something but then actually set down, set those goals. All right, so Dean, let, let us into the secret. How, what happened? Tell us, you already told me, so pretty much two years ago, you, you uh, well, when you drive with each other for 10 hours, coming from Melbourne up to Mount Hotham, you've got a bit of, bit of stuff to talk to, so you um, enlightened me, and uh, how did your journey start, and uh, how did you manage to get to, basically, the option to retire at 40? Yeah, so I, um, I was probably always interested in, in money and investing, right, even when I was a kid. Grew up on a farm, really quite poor, um, but had parents that were um, entrepreneurial in the sense that everything that we did around the farm was for our survival. So I always had that interest, and, and Dad sort of supported me on that. I'd come up with ideas. I wanted to start a hay carting 
sort of business or plant a paddock of potatoes, whatever it might be to earn a bit of extra money. I was always just had that natural interest. Um, but when I when I started work, I'm a lawyer by profession, so I um, started working, and, and, and I, you don't make much money as a, a early lawyer. You don't make much money at all. Um, but what my they first boss, charge you, right? yeah. <laughs> well, the bosses made plenty of money out of me, but I didn't make a lot of money early on. But what I did get was um, in that first year of work, I got a, a gem from um, my first boss. Talking after work one day, he started to explain about passive. Um, investing or passive income streams. That really fired me up because I loved the idea that I might be able to build up something that would earn me money but I don't ever have to do anything about it um, other than build it up. And that was a really a light bulb moment for me was um, understanding that if I could build some investments, year after year after year they'd put money in my bank account. And um, right from that moment I started thinking that that's what, that was my goal was to have enough of that money coming in that would um, enable me not to have to work or to work at the level I wanted to work at um, and chose it's, to work it's at. It's funny, it's, it's not taught at schools. It's not taught by, it wasn't taught by my parents or anyone else. It's just not common knowledge that, you know, you, you build up this passive income. Yes, we've got super balances and other things, but you can't, you, it's just not understood by That's most right. people. It's just expected that you'll work to, you know, 67, That's 70 right. years old and it's sort of like the government or someone doesn't want you to know this it's or yeah. there's no vested interest for people to teach you this stuff so yeah I think in yeah. schools it's the two biggest uh, educational shortfalls in my opinion firstly how to manage and understand money and that's not just about investing it's budgeting and and the whole uh, area of money there's really nothing taught on that and and the other one is relationships which is another topic but just really understanding how to have healthy happy relationships and those two things work hand in hand like I read a study early in when I was um, uh, courting my wife about the number one thing that causes conflict in a marriage and it was actually financial pressure and, and conflict over money so you know I thought if we could eliminate that you know you should be able to have a happier relationship as well as you know the freedoms that, that um, money having money working for you should bring. Yeah, and I think uh, setting goals on money and setting goals in relationship go hand in hand. So yeah. that's a big thing that Trish and I have always done. Where and writing that down, writing down those goals, yeah, is yeah. always good to write them down and then direct it. And then even if you never look at that again, it sort of subliminally sort of changes changes your direction only that's a few right. degrees along the way. Yeah. So. so we went when I got this light bulb moment about um, passive investing. Um, I, I, we just started building up investments and the first thing we did just you talked about setting goals is we actually wrote them down so um, I actually worked out I went backwards and I worked out how much income I would need to not have to work and um, and that was on the basis of uh, having home home paid off and having then a certain amount of um, income come into my account each year and I, I worked out what as a couple we could actually uh, live comfortably on and then I work back from that to work out how much um, capital or invest money I'd need invested to actually produce that amount of income and I and I, I'm a big believer in goals and I you know I've worked with my kids the same thing is just actually writing your goals down there's something amazing about writing your goals down what it does and specifically writing them down on a on a date um, a basis and it's not just a, a nebulous date that you hope to have it done by. I worked out 
how much I'd need in capital, how much I thought I could generate each year by reinvesting all my income and all, all the spare um, extra money I could earn into the investments and then worked out X number of years that I'd need to do that by to have the, the amount of capital. I actually wrote that down. How old were you when you did that? Uh, it's probably in my mid to late 20s, yeah, yeah. Um, around that time. Yeah. Wrote those goals down, put them around, read somewhere that if you see them regularly, it's beneficial. So put them on the back of the toilet door, uh, put them on the mirror in the bathroom, you know, a few places like that. And it's just amazing, even if you don't read those goals when you see them, when you you know walk into the bathroom, mm. you see them there, it just uh, prompts you that you actually have a goal that you're working towards. Uh, I can see first snow. Oh, here we go. Here we go, it looks covered. <laughs> Yeah. What mountain's that? Pretty good. Yeah, that's low. That's actually low. I don't even know. That's, that wouldn't even be a ski area there. Yeah, So right. we, we'll be driving through the snow. Yeah, beautiful. Sorry to interrupt. Today. Yeah, no, it's all good. That's what, we're, that's what we did it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we've got the, the goals written down on the... Um, uh, and I had a specific amount and had it plastered around the house and, and then started um, working towards those goals. And, and really, that bought me the second big lesson I think which is discipline um, and I think that's really lacking in in our world in all areas whatever it might be instant gratification people yeah like it's people people I, I've, I've worked with so many people and I Cam and I were laughing about this a while back that and I'll say I know about a handful of people maybe five families uh, and I've shared this journey with lots and lots of people and I've got a lot of people fired up to do it but only maybe five or six people, families-wise, have actually stuck at it. And that's discipline, and it's the ability to have delayed gratification, to go without a few things in order to have a goal achieved. And not many people do that. They think they can, and then a year into it, they come up with some other grand plan, and oh, I wanna go and do this now, and they, they, they just move and change their goal. But I was really focused I really wanted to achieve that goal, so I wanted to stay um, really focused on that. I'm glad to make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and it is a unique person that can stay focused on something because it does take some delayed gratification. You know, early we had uh, we were married. Um, my my wife and I both work. So this journey, um, you know, it's been achieved on one income. So you don't have to be. I don't have the perception that I was a rich lawyer and able to achieve it through that. I never, it never made anything more than a middle class income. My wife worked as well while I was getting my business going uh, as a lawyer. Uh, she worked until we had our first child um, and she was 30 when we had our first child. So that's, uh, from that point on, she's never worked um, again other than supporting me in, in the business and investing and so on. And raising the family. And raising the family, which is a, which is which was her goal. That was her choice and her goal and we supported that. We really wanted her to have the freedom to be able to be at home all the time with the kids. And I that think, was yeah. a really important part of our... Um, I think that's what yeah, Trish and I are very grateful for. We, Trish has stayed home for 15 years with the kids, um, had small hustles on the side, nothing so we could retire just yet, but it's allowed um, basically setting up that lifestyle so you a little bit more frugal in those early days allows uh, you know someone if they wish to to um, yeah basically stay at home and look after the kids and That's raise right. the family yeah. and I was never against um, Chris working but I really um, honored the fact that she wanted to make bringing out the kids her number one calling and priority in life and um, our kids have really benefited from having her at home with them and I, I just so valued but my part in that, um, you know, helping uh, through working and 
and business and so on, helping her have the ability to do that. And, and it's been a great blessing for our kids and, and they really appreciate it and they see it. And uh, you know, I've really loved that part of the journey, but she stopped at 30. So um, had our first she hit child. She first. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was, yeah. Walked out of her job and said, uh, I'll take a year maternity leave with never the intention to go back, but kept that as an insurance. Option open. <laughs> option open and then, yeah, never went back to work after that. So that's been a great, great journey. So, you know, what we've achieved from there has been on the back of, um, you know, one income and, and really been disciplined in that one income. We did a f few things early on. Um, you know, sacrifices like, for example, one car. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, you know, when, when we had a, our um, firstborn, uh, you know, we most people would have two cars and I'd drive to work, but we chose to, I use public transport um, and, and it was a sacrifice to Chris. She'd have to, and to Justin, our firstborn, you'd have to sometimes wake him up to come and pick me up at the train station and so on. But it was a small sacrifice, but that one car if you extrapolate what an extra car cost you, what's it about ten grand a year? Yeah, or something? it would be that sort of money. And then if you choose to put that, well, what we did firstly, our first goal was to get rid of our um, our debt, our home loan. So putting an extra ten thousand dollars a year into that home loan makes a massive, massive yeah. dent into it. So that's just a small little example of delayed gratification. What's your, what's your coffee and cake example? Oh yeah, so I've always just um, uh, you know, if you if you're looking at debt. To paying off a home loan there's a few little tricks that you can accelerate that so standard 30-year loan most people get into it they most mostly they borrow the maximum that they that the bank will give them which I don't necessarily agree with I think um, you should borrow what you can you know safely afford and uh, but that's another conversation but most people will get exactly what they can and 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 the banks will will um, extrapolate that those loan payments out over 30 years so, you know, an average loan, what it might be, I don't know, yeah, 700000 yeah. or something like that, over 30 years, you're going to be paying a few million dollars in interest in that. And I never liked that idea. I didn't like the idea that I would pay 700000 off, but I'd pay two or three times that in interest over that period of time. Um, the, the first little trip, it, trick is to, to change your loan itself from a 30-year um, a loan you can cut it back to 23 years just by paying fortnightly so if you if you're the bank will say you have to pay x dollars per month and if you just um to cut that to a fortnightly cut it in half and pay it fortnightly you you will knock seven years off your loan probably save you three quarters of a million dollars yeah. um, just in that alone now it's pure mathematics that there's there's 26 fortnights in a in a month and there's 12 months in a year so you're actually getting a couple extra payments um, over that year and then that compounding uh, effect saves a lot of extra interest so just accelerate your loan so that's there's first little trick the second one was my coffee and cake example and again it's a sacrifice most people might would have a coffee each day a bucket of chips or cake or whatever it might be as as, as a working professional that would most people would do that I chose to, to sacrifice those little luxuries and take my lunch with me and um, and save that so but as an example that would mean maybe 10 bucks a day um, in a in a coffee and a bucket of chips or a cake and if you just put that extra $50 a week I'm talking about a working week into your loan so bump up your fortnightly payment by 100 to lots of 50 
that then cut the, the home loan back to about 15 years itself. So, so it's a, a very... Years, yeah, fif- yeah. So, it's, so that plus the fortnightly, mm. uh, uh, changing to fortnightly, those two things alone cuts a 30-year loan back down to a um, 15, cuts it in half. I'm going to show the guys the Just so you know, we're telling the truth. We're not just going on a, ro- a yeah, road no, trip. You can't quite <laughs> see it, but there's some mountains over there that full of snow. It's always pretty exciting when you're going for a ski trip and you see the first snow. Yeah. It's like going for a surf trip and then seeing the, the first water. That's right. Something deep. Yeah, I was, a, I was obsessed with bacon, and I still am. Like, I just hate debt. I hate... So I had a great hatred of debt, so that drove me to get rid of it really quickly. And... You know, like I'll give you an example there, that's cutting a 30, that an average income can cut a 30 year loan into 15 years. Now, you're a that, bit of a coffee snob, I know that. Yeah. And so um, I've got your old coffee machine. That's it. And then so today we've brought our own coffee along, right? That's but you right. don't need to, but you yeah, know, we're, we're keen to get up the snow. We don't want to, um, I haven't hit fire yet, we're pretty close to theoretically. Um, but if you bring your coffee along, you save time, get up to the snow quicker, and, and you don't get right. deprived of not good coffee because I've and, got and good beans. And I am beans. a coffee snob. Yeah. You know, like I have yeah. been known to turn down an instant coffee when <laughs> somebody's When you came like, to my house for the first time, <laughs> you go, you want coffee? Yeah, sure. Ah, uh, no, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, yeah. yeah and, and like in my, I haven't told you this, but in the bag I've got a, um, a box of, of Aldi pods. Ah, right. Because I like a nice coffee. You know, we yeah. get up in the morning at the, at the ski lodge we're staying at, they're going to make us a really nice meal. But I like a lot. I like a coffee with it. Yeah, but last time I went there, they ran sure? out. Oh, they ran out, and, I, and then it was a disaster. Then you can sell them. Yeah, that's right. So I've got a backup plan now. Yeah. I've got my LD pods in there, and you know, as much as we laugh about it, and I'm not against going to have a coffee. You know, we'll we'll yeah, buy we'll a coffee, same, and, yeah. and I'm not against. I'm not a killjoy, and I and I believe in having you know a good time and that. But at the same time, there are ways. Um, that you can actually save money and still have, I'll give you another one, right? So we used to have a, when we had a budget, we can talk about budget in a yeah, minute, but yeah. when we had a, a budget, we'd have an al- amount that we'd have an allowance. And we'd get to a point, maybe we're a young family and a young couple, even before we had kids, that our fortnightly allowance for entertainment was gone. So no, I don't want to be a killjoy, but you know, there's other ways. We'd go to our friends and they'd say, let's go to the movies and we go, look, our budget's done, but you want to go for a walk on the yeah. beach? Or you want to come to our joint and we'll get make popcorn and watch a movie at home and you know it's all a choice you know you can choose to just blow your budget and keep spending money on your credit card or or dealt not investing that much that fortnight or you can say no I'm, I'm going to stick to this plan and that's what my goals made me do made me stick to the plan I would rather miss out on a movie night and actually get closer but to freedom it didn't mean you missed out of the movie night no. you just did a different way that's right? right so that's uh, us and our family like we we go down to Phillip Island a bit and sometimes like we don't we people ask oh where do you eat out for dinner and sort of like oh we got three kids and their kids are a bit ADHD like me and they don't really sit still so we just go to the fish and chip shop and oh. like play at the park go sand duty right. go surfing how good is fish and chips on a yeah. pier yeah like good. seriously yeah. we can our family now because we've got four uh, three three kids that are now eat as much as adults. Yeah. I can't eat out at a, at a reason reasonable restaurant for under one hundred and twenty dollars yeah, or something like that. Yeah. But how good is going? Uh, our kids are just excited, so I go and we do that, right? So I'm not a killjoy, but 
you know, go and get a big lot of chips and potato yeah. cakes and, and go out and sit on a pier and eat them. That's yeah, fun too. Yeah, you know, like fun is fun can be defined by by a various different number of things, some of which don't cost much. Yeah. To so do. you you basically hammered down your home loan. Yeah. The yeah. Step one. Yeah. Then you built up. You had a number that you yeah. needed to reach. Yeah. And then you you needed to hit that so you had enough passive income correct to be able to retire and you basically so, did that by 40 yeah correct so so the home loan i'll give you an example of how to cut it in half but we actually we crashed our home loan out in six years just yeah. you know just put more than a coffee and cake yeah, into yeah. It, basically just really well, hammered we had away sort of the opposite we, we paid off ours in about seven and yeah. we I didn't, I'm an engineer, so I don't know as much as a lawyer, but you know, but basically but did smarter. the, did the, smarter. <laughs> smarter on doing some fix-ups. Um, so Dean and I help each other in different ways, but I help him occasionally fix a few yeah, things. And, yeah, um, yeah, so we, I basically put all of my wage onto the home loan, yeah. the opposite. So everything owned the home loan, and then we try to minimise, we had a weekly budget, and yeah. then we, we could live off um, basically Trisha's wage at the start. Yeah. And then all of my wage just went onto the home loan. So that's sort of, and yeah. we could have probably paid off ours in about five years, but we ended up buying an investment property that sort of held us back a little bit. By, yeah. by about 30, 31, we pretty much paid off our yeah. home loan. So the, so, key, the key thing about you doing that though, was that you had a budget. Yeah. See, so if you, some people might, there's a cracking view of some snake. Exciting. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's down low again. Yeah. That's, we can, we, in these clouds, you won't even see the snow fields. So yeah. we're down low at that point. Um, but the, the key to, to what, you've, you, what you did was you had a budget. If you don't have a budget, all you do is you pump it into your home loan, you spend it all anyway, and you save yeah. a little bit of interest along the way because yeah. you've, you know, but fairly minimal. Yeah. But the key is to have a budget, and with a budget, you've got to write it down. Like, you've got to write each element down and you have to stick at it. And there's a number of ways to stick at it. You were talking about a free app out yeah, there. Yeah, I use. Get pocketbook uh, free out of about 400,000 people. I found out use that in Australia, so that syncs to all your different bank accounts. Um, you can put um, monthly spends in that, and I like things that are automated because I'm I'll do it for a little while, then forget about it. So this one uh, it, it gives you alerts when you've hit your entertainment budget. Dean was telling me about when yeah. you used to do it. You used to put the stuff uh, cash in an envelope for yeah. entertainment. And yeah, well, the old-fashioned old way. Old-fashioned way. Well, yeah. now it's the the, <laughs> the modern way is uh, yeah the app. So get pocketbook. We love that app. Um, and I've only just started using it in probably the last couple of months or so. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's. I mean, technology just so good for you know doing this sort of stuff. You can you can work out. You know, I talked about the capital you need. You can just work it out. I think um, on the Fire website, there's a way of working out how much capital you will need to have a certain amount of income to be yeah. able to live passively. Yeah, jump and, onto uh, familyonfire.com.au and there's a fire calculated and. Uh, yeah. That'll give you your goal. You know, there's your amount, and then you've got to break it down in each year. But so, yeah, so we had our budget, and uh, you know, everything else we just ploughed into investing, and uh, sorry, into reducing that debt. When we knocked that off, um, you know, some one of the tendencies in life is you just lift your lifestyle as soon as you do it. You know, oh, now I start. We're guilty that, of that. We did that. Yeah. Start having that yeah. coffee and cake yeah. every day. Yeah. And, because I had this extra goal, I want to get rid of the debt. Now I want to get to the amount of capital I needed to have that passive income. We then, we then kept that fortnightly amount going straight into investments and, um, and it kept the coffee and cake going straight into investments, the tax return, everything just pumping into investments. What that does, most people understand or, or vaguely have heard about the, the power of compound interest. Now most people, most people have compound interest working against them because they get a big home loan, 
and they paid off over a long period of time. So the compounding interest put, works against them, and it's and you know they're paying off a few million dollars in interest over their thirty years. Yeah. But if you can make that work for you, something magic happens that all that money that wasn't well, that was originally paying off the home loan now started building up into capital into yeah. that investment stream, and then as that earned money. That then got ploughed back in. So our coffee and cake, and our tax return, and uh, and and that fortnightly payments that were paying off the loans, plus all the money that that cat, that was being earned, we didn't need to live on that because we weren't retired at that stage. So that all kept getting ploughed back into event. snowballing. Oh, we're not into, just saying snowball because we're going to the snow. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got our first drops of water, so that'll turn into snow yeah. soon. Yeah, but um, that really that snowball effect really kicked in for us. And um, you know, I looked at year after year as we we're going through that, and it's like, man, how did that happen? We we might have saved this much, but our investments have compounded that to grow even faster. So where did you put your money? What's your well, strategy? I mm. there's basically three things you can invest in 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 the in the history of money, and that is firstly is cash, which is either term deposits or bonds yep. and and that sort of stuff. Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go back and just define what assets are. Yeah. So, uh, if you look at the proper definition um, of assets, it is something that generates income. So, so, a lot of people loosely will call other things like Bitcoin, or they'll say, "I've got an asset, and it's a caravan or a car," and all those sort of things are not assets on the strict. Uh, they're property, but yeah. they're not an asset on the strict yeah. um, term. So an asset really is something that will generate and pay you income. So there's three things. One is cash, yeah. that will pay you an income. The second one is property, that'll pay you an income. Generally rent, you'll rent yeah. it out, whether it's yeah. a commercial property um, or a residential property, that'll pay you yeah. an income. Yeah. And the third one is um, shares. Now, um, shares, the reason they'll pay you a dividend, and the reason that is, is that's just a business. Somebody's out there, um, running a shop or a bank or a telco or whatever it might be, generating income and then they're paying it out to the shareholders because they're the part owners of the business. So really, they're the three choices you've got. You've got cash in the bank, you've got um, uh, property and you've got shares. So uh, cash in the bank's probably paying in Australia at the moment about uh, 1% or yeah, something, if, you if you're lucky. In Germany, negative, yeah. you're paying yeah. for the pleasure of having it there. Yeah. Um, but So I, I started out, I had a combination of um, uh, I steered away from cash straight away. Like it's just, it's very easy to see that you're not going to get anywhere um, having all your money tied up in cash. And a lot of people have been burnt by, especially um, older generation ones who have been scared or haven't had the education about investing, put all their money into cash, and then interest rates over the last 20 or 30 years have gone from reasonable to nothing. And you know, then you've basically got to start eating your capital up. And I never wanted to eat my capital up. Yeah. So you know, over the years, and I still have some property, but I, my largest um, amount of in, uh, assets are in shares, and there's probably another whole talk about why shares um, generate the best returns over so long term. You, you but go the Peter Thornhill approach in terms of correct, growing, yeah. growing dividends. Yeah, yeah. So I, I before meeting Peter Thornhill, who I'd say is one of my key mentors, and um, uh, you know, just love the guy. Um, get his book, Motivated Money. Easy read. Um, I think and I've got the book here. I'm going to show. show yeah, you guys. just like I, I love the fact that you know if you. Uh, if I got the wrong way around, motivated money. Peter Thorne here. We then and I went along to the conference. Um, Best thirty bucks weeks. you'll spend. Yeah. You know, most yeah. this guy's had thirty odd plus years in the financial industry, 
And you know, most financial planners don't add a lot of value. And this guy with $30 or get to his seminar adds just incredible value. And that was the, my second light bulb, mo bulb moment was um, understanding the power of, I call it productive enterprise. Because some people hear shares and they go, oh, it's all you know risky and so on. But if you think of it as the history of um, business is about productive enterprise, the, the ingenuity of people who will develop things like the cochlear implant um, that is bringing hearing back to tens of thousands of people every year. But that generates an, a profit which goes back to the investors that invested in that enterprise. And uh, you know, really over the long term, you can't get past shares as the best um, long-term performing asset. So Peter Thornhill was that next light bulb moment that, that got me. So I have put most of my, and I do have property, um, but most Australians, and, and I would hazard a guess that a lot of people around the world have too much of their uh, investments in property because they'll mostly have a home. That alone, if it's worth a million bucks, if they've got a few hundred thousand dollars in super, they're way weighted towards um, uh, towards property as a, as a, in their assets. So really most um, average punters out there should be putting their investments into um, a share portfolio, diversified share portfolio, um, sticking to good solid dividend paying blue chip shares. And that's all I did just year after year. I just kept, every time my account would build up with the dividends, I'd plow back so into more. Dollar cost average, is that what you did? I actually didn't ask. You yeah, normally just, like, whenever you get like a sum of like 10, 15 grand, put that into the, into the shares? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Just basically looking for the next best um, thing or adding to my existing shares, just yep. building that portfolio up. And, uh, and the beauty of, of, of shares is once you've got, if you've got, a, let's assume we got to the point that the house was paid off, we've got a solid house uh, property asset. You don't have to go and buy a million dollars of shares in one click like you do with property. You can actually put it in, in Chip chunks away, of yeah. 15, 20,000 and it just builds up over time. And, and that's uh, like, sometimes I look at our portfolio now and I go, how the heck did that happen? How did that get from zero to that many zeros in in this reasonably short period of time and honestly it's about discipline sticking to the goal and just continuing to plow that in time and time and time again yeah. so you never took the foot off the pedal but no, once never. you paid and off the debt you correct. just basically plowed it into shares correct so you hit that number yeah and so at 40 we hit our number and uh and i sold my um legal practice to my partner and bought a caravan and hooked up the caravan had um had a, at the time a three-year-old and a three-month-old, and we headed off around Australia. So that's probably and had about a wonderful probably time. Probably 25 to 30 years earlier than most other people. Yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. most people are gonna. And, and, and when they're 65. And, and I would, I would, I would prepare to say that most people will try to do it at 65 and not have enough. Yeah. Most people's lifestyle, this generation's lifestyle, is not like the previous generation's lifestyle, who are able to live off the pension plus a bit. We're not able to do that anymore. Most people are going to get there and they're going to have $700,000 worth of super and a house paid off and, you know, not have a lot to, to live a reasonable lifestyle. Um, but, you know, at, at 40, I've still got, you know, energy to be doing yeah. stuff with the kids. And we travelled for a whole year around Australia and had just a wonderful yeah. time um, with the family. Like, nobody, no matter what happens to me with my health, you know, things can come out of left field, right? Yeah. I, you know, I could... 
you know, you're talking to a friend who's got, uh, you know, issues with health and, you know, things like that can yeah. come out of left field. Nobody can ever take back from me that year no, traveling right. around with yeah. the kids. Now then I've got, I get back and I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I'm sem now semi-retired. I'm still doing charity work and different things like that. Mm. My kids are not even at school. Mm. The, one of the downsides in this whole story is my kids have never seen me work a job. <laughs> So I don't know what that's going to do for them. Our family so jokes. going to inspire them, or they're going to go. Our family jokes. We want to be one of the beverages. We want to. We want. To, we want to be one of the kids that uh, do yeah. kids because they go but the, on good but holidays. The, but and, there is a downside to yeah. it. What if they go? I don't want to do this work thing. Yeah. I never saw Dad doing that. Yeah. So, but I'm trying to explain to them and and um, teach them that there are other ways for them to generate an income. And yes, they need to be disciplined and learn some of these lessons. But I um. I'll get you to hold that. I'll just look at these. Yeah, we get some. Where we come through, just Murdoch. Yeah, this is Murdoch, beautiful part of Victoria, Australia. You know, one of my favourite spots. Bit of snow on the on the very very low mountains. Yeah, that is just. Amazing. Yeah, it's you know from four years old, after that trip around Australia, we've been able to, you know, be as a dad, I've been able to be there when they get home, take them to the, all the sports trainings that they do, and uh, you know, they I'm always there with them, and you know, that's a big payoff of discipline so I sacrificed a few things but the payoff is all those years um, I'm now 50 so I've had you know 10, 10 years, years yeah. of being with those kids um, and seeing them grow up now 19 16 and 13 and and just being able to enjoy those yeah. years with them and really input in their lives now the goal is to teach them that they need to still be disciplined to work and to build their uh, kind of well they need to work that's got enough money <laughs> <laughs> well I'm trying to actually avoid that um, mentality. I've helped them already. They've got a share portfolio. Their, their shares are, uh, and and that's the power of time. You know, in any form of investing, it's time. The yeah. longer you can have your investments. Now, my son's 13. He uh, he had a motorbike for a for a present, and he wasn't using. He'd grown out of it, and he said, "Can I sell it? And put it in shares?" And now he's done that. It's a magical moment. Yeah, so yeah. Kieran's doing that with my boy. He's a. Uh, he wants to save up for a, for a mountain bike and then he's uh, got some Argo shares and he's seen the dividends and seen them go up in value and then he goes, no, nah, Dad, I might get a second-hand mountain bike and put the $500 into shares and then I'm going to not get 20 bucks every dividend, I'm going to get like 30 right. bucks. Uh, and we if, need to remember that $20 in the in our kids' bank account is huge. Is, is huge and it's actually a powerful lesson. Yeah. And my son just started uni and you know he hasn't um, got himself uh, a job yet and it's... Uh, but uh, he was—he had a very bank, uh, empty bank account. And part of our lesson to our kids is actually not to give them too much. We want them to be able to learn how to do it themselves. And uh, got a big bonus dividend came in three months ago. And when that hit his bank account, his eyes were like yeah. wide, and he's going, "Wow, that, you know, that's my—that's enough for me to live on his living because we—he yeah. lives at home, but." You know, he needs 20 or 30 bucks a week to bits and pieces, and that yeah. was going to be five or six weeks worth of living, and yeah. it, it just like appeared in his bank account. And that's one of the ways we, we're uh, doing is I'm helping them understand the power of investing, and st and every time dividends come around and they pop in their account, they they cheer, yeah, they really yeah. enjoy that, and then they're saying, if I can save up a bit more, I can get another little. Um, holding of shares so yeah, and I think watching over the years is really really important I think one of the biggest mistakes I made is actually when I was 15 I bought my first share in CSR I rang up a local radio station because my uncle had told me about shares and I asked my dad well dad 
what's these share thing? I need to make. I want to be. Uh, I want to be rich, or want to be able to uh, do a, have a good lifestyle. And um, so I rang up a local radio station, Alan Bond, at the time, and he uh, he said, "Oh yeah, buy some CSR shares and Northern Territory bonds." And I bought the the, the five hundred dollars that I'd saved for you know doing local you know newspaper rounds and so forth, the life savings. Put it in there, and CSR had um, an asbestos claim. So the shares, after two years, went in half the value. Um, but probably about five years later, they doubled from what I bought. So I made a couple of grand out of it. Yeah. And so over long term, um, it, it, it was a good education. A good so, education both ways. Yeah. How a share can go down. So with like a, a listed investment company or something like that, it's got low fees. They can, it can be good in the sense that it's diversified for a small amount. So the, all our kids have basically started off with a $500 portfolio of a diversified share, right. like in Argo, and that's going to cross 50 or 60 more or more companies. Uh, so hopefully they don't have the same shock I did when I was a kid. Something like Argo, for most people, is yeah. where they should be. Yeah. Because what it gives you, it gives you the... It's been around for 60-odd years, mm-hmm. um, and all that all that company does is buy shares in a variety of blue chips companies that year after year pay, pay good solid dividends. So by buying that stock, you can buy one stock, and you've instantly got diversification. So within that portfolio, you give you a CSR example, which is now offloaded to James Hardy now. Yeah. All those asbestos, those asbestos liabilities are still there. I would hazard a guess if you looked at Argo, they would own some of. That, right? yeah. But James Hardy's a good company, a really yeah. good company. But when they've been hit from time to time with bad publicity and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, it doesn't hurt Argo because at the same time when James Hardy drops down with some sort of drama, some yeah. other company's gone up and that's why you want diversity. And the other great reason for something like Argo is that, you know, most financial planners out there charging you 2%. Yeah. You know, why pay somebody 2% for doing nothing when you can go to Argo and they point point one percent or something yeah. like that cost I, I think in my 20s I went to like five or six financial planners and uh, all of them told me oh yeah come back when you've got at least a hundred grand and yeah. I had like about 10 grand yeah. I said how am I gonna get to a hundred grand because I yeah you meant to help me to get to a hundred grand so yeah and I think the fees even if they did want to help me it would be like a two percent two percent plus a three grand analysis exactly yeah. now where I'm a, I'm a believer in advisors don't get me wrong but where that you've got to look at where they add value and I've, I have an advisor, but I don't ask him anything about investing. Like, I will just stick to Argo and a few other listed investment yep. funds. I've got a few straight shares, and, and some of my kids have enjoyed investing in something like Super Retail Group, yep. which um, owns um, camping stores. And yeah. my daughter loves camping, and every time she goes in a camping mm. store and buys some... Uh, you know some stuff from there she says oh you know I'm, make, I'm helping make profit for my own company yeah, you know yeah. so there is some merit in that but generally you should if you don't want to really understand and have to worry about reading um, annual re- returns all that sort of stuff just buy a listed investment I fund. think I used to stock the sugar at Woolworths and I stocked the CSR sugar and knowing that I was the owner <laughs> I would take extra pride in facing up the CSR That's sugar right. yeah, That's I, was, right. I was getting dividends yeah but you know really stick to that uh, the listed investment it's just a no-brainer but where where um you can get value from advisors is more strategy so it might be whether you set up a family trust it might be um when you're getting towards um 
uh, retirement age from a government perspective. So I've already retired, but I've got a lot of money tied up in super. Yeah. I can't touch that at the moment, but that's beautiful. That's all building up in there. At some point, I'll be able to turn that into a tax-free income stream, yeah. which is going to increase my income. But I need an advisor to tell me when that is. Is but that you, at 60 you're or 62? You were my advisor. You told me about trust. Yeah, so a lot of this yeah. stuff, you know, people just... Well, I've set up trust after talking to Dean on our last or one of the ski trips. Yeah. And the accountant goes, oh, yeah, a lot of people do that. It's a really good strategy. And it's like I've been using this accountant for, you know, yeah, he didn't tell you. Didn't tell me. Yeah. I said, like, what did you tell me? He goes, yeah. oh, you didn't ask. Yeah. It's like, I didn't know. So That's right. Yeah, but the having a different trust structure that really help you know protect your assets um you know with the wife not working at home it helps you know spread your income 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 out that's right and and uh, you know i have an advice i'm i'm a lawyer by by background but i still have my my legal old legal partner that i will still get to do legal work for me um i'll have an accountant that i'll get um to help me with uh things that are outside my expertise and i would i would go to a financial advisor for things that are outside my expertise but you do not need a financial advisor to tell you to go into a certain managed fund at two percent three thousand dollars plus two percent you can go and you can get four different listed investment don't even need that argo just chuck all your money in argo you've got instant diversification you don't need somebody to charge you money to do I that. I think that that two percent and um, plus the one percent a year plus the startup. I, I saw an um, article the other day that basically, if, you know, funds are returning sometimes six to ten percent. Yeah. Um, nearly half of that, it was forty-seven percent of the profits go to the advisor and the broking fees. That's to right. me, it's just outrageous. I, right. I just wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very good, mate. So that's a few of the, the tips. Um, and then I suppose just on a departing question, you've hit fire. You've had a good lifestyle last 10 years. What, what and we've probably touched on it a little bit, what would be the, the thing that you hope to uh, depart to your kids or the next generation? What, what sort of what yeah. are the golden nuggets do you hope to teach them? Yeah, so probably two things. One is understanding that you don't have to just work for money. money money should work for you yeah so I want them to I don't want them to be lazy rich kids so I want them to get a job to work through a career maybe start a business that sort of stuff and actually work for it so I want I don't want to take away that work ethic from them but I also want them to understand that money should be working for them yeah Um, they should be able to build up their investments themselves the second thing is we've now built enough capital that if it is used wisely, will go on for generations. It's, yeah. it, it, and I'm talking to my kids now who are you know, young teenagers, and I'm saying, if you look after this capital, when I'm gone, yeah. my grandkids and great-grandkids will be being blessed by what the sacrifices that we made. And yeah. so I need to actually equip them over the next decade to understand that they could make dumb decisions. Yeah. They could burn that, they could go, oh, I could go and take that money out and put it on Bitcoins and double it or triple it because that's the next hot thing. Yeah, yeah. But this this strategy is about low risk, stick into the plan, do boring. not deviate. Boring. It's boring, yeah. it's very, very boring. Yeah. And, it's, and there's a human tendency to want to chase something else. And everybody has made mistakes in those areas. And I, somehow I have to get through to the kids. That's my goal is that if you stick with boring, you're going to be wealthy. Yeah. If you stick with boring, your kids are going to be wealthy. <laughs> and if you stick with boring, your grandkids are going to be wealthy. Yeah. If you deviate from that, 
you could burn the, the what we've done yeah. and then oh I'll, look at the snow sorry Dean yeah oh, look at that, that yeah Oh, that's just the footy. I said, that's not even yeah, stir. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, I don't know. This is down low. Feather this is really good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just encouraging um, anybody who's taken the time to watch this um, to, you know, that it is possible. A lot of people want it, but they think it's not possible. And it's really about a few things delay gratification, uh, having a budget and sticking to it having yeah. a goal and a plan and sticking to it, and yeah. then just invest in boring old yeah. things. Yeah. You know, a diversified portfolio of boring shares through Argo or a few other listed investment funds, and yeah. just stick to the plan, uh, stick to the plan. Really good, and I think sticking to the plan, so when the markets do drop, you don't panic, right? That's it. If you know that Correct. strategy, then for me, we've had a pretty turbulent week in the stock markets. That's right. Uh, you get excited about that. That's oh, Peter Thornhill. Absolutely. Said he loves it when it, Goes yeah, my cash that's built up through dividends is burning my pocket at the moment wanting yeah. to get in there and invest in more yeah. and and the way that I've disciplined myself to handle downturns is because it's generally panic and there's generally a crisis or something that's happening and the way I handle it and my wife handles it even better than me because she'll just say when is the dividend still appearing in your bank account and I go yeah, yeah. Well, what do you care about the capital value yeah. then? The capital yeah. value goes up and uh, down over to time. On you next time. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but you know, the capital value will go up and down over time, depending on people's fear and um, greed and all those sort of things come into it. But every, you know, we're in, a, we're in a crisis at the moment. The market was up and down at the moment. You know what? Most of my stocks that reported last week put their dividends up. Yeah, yeah. In so, the middle of that, and then what are they yielding like? Four percent at least. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, you get fully frank, so then you, you know, And if I base it back on my, when I originally invested in some of these companies, I've got companies that I'm getting 25 to 30% of what I originally put in that money. Now, they've gone up in value, so it's still like 4% based on a share yeah. that's gone from 25 to $200. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if I work my return, my dividends back, I'm getting every three years, I'm getting the whole of that investment back every three years. Yeah. So, you know, and it's only because I've stuck at it over the years and haven't chopped and changed. You know, some people chop and change and I look back and go, oh man, I, I burnt that again. Stick with the plan. Yeah, that's really so good. Stick with the plan. Hey, awesome work, Dean. This is our Family on Fire. So if you've got any questions, this is our first ever um, yeah, Family on Fire video. So subscribe to us, like us, ask any questions. Uh, yeah, we'll do a follow-up um, clip if there's some good questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good on you. Thanks, guys. And uh, we're about to. Where are we now? We're about Going to hit bright. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Next one. All right. See you guys. Bye. All right. We're here. At Mount Hotham, just getting the, the ski from three o'clock. Hey, Mr. Dean. Family on fire. Well, we made it. On. <laughs> How good was it? Good payoff for the big drive. Yeah. And, uh, snow's looking beautiful. Yeah, you so, just need me to uh, fully retire and then uh, enjoy your every day doing this. That's sack. right, a whole season. Yeah. A few years, a whole season.